Hello, I'm Sarah James, a lifestyle blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast in the Lifelisten Network about two women embarking on a self-care bender. We're both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet it's elusive. And while we may have all the information we need, we don't always get there. We want to explore different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious, looking at body, mind, and spirit, and also just some random talk that's thrown in there for good measure. We also want to look at the defenses and distractions to keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well, we have what I think is a really important interview for you guys today. We're so honored to be chatting with our friend Casey Brown. They give us a really vulnerable look into the realities of self-care as a trans person. Everything from being misgendered, to people using the wrong pronouns, to the potentially thorny realities of using a public restroom. They chat with us about skincare and shaving as they started hormone therapy in the last couple of years. We learned a ton from Casey about trans people in general and the unique challenges of self-care as a trans person. I hope you'll give it a listen to understand more about the realities of trans people and also to help learn how to be a better ally. So we have that coming up pretty soon. Sarah, check in. <laughs> how are you doing? Um, well, I'm not doing so good. I know you're not because we just <laughs> talked about it two seconds ago before we started. But yeah, you're having a rough anxiety patch today. I, I am. I have been for the past week. I feel like I was actually just editing our podcast from last week. And I'm like, let's just continue on this whole anxiety, this mental health thread that we're on. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just, just for the past week or so, I have just been so anxious and not so much, you know, specific thoughts that I'm thinking or anything like that, but just the actual physical manifestation of anxiety, like the chest pain, the mm -hmm. heart rate. I mean, my heart is going so fast right now. I can hear it through my headphones. I'm Ugh. like, and I'm sitting here laughing, but I really kind of want to start crying. So, oh yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the thing. You and I uh, are always like laughing by the time we're talking about our anxiety, but yeah. I know that like right before we have that conversation, we're both like in the pit of despair. Pretty much. And you know, like always, there's just no explanation for when it comes and when it goes. I'm mm -hmm. not under any particular stress right now that's, you know, any, any more stressful than a, you know, a normal period of my life. And it is just, um, it's rearing its ugly head right now. That is so miserable. It is. It's not, it's not fun. And usually, you know, I've been doing this for so many decades. Same with you. You know that it's going to pass at some point. You know that, that like that right. fear that you have early on where you're like, what the heck's wrong with me? I'm going to die. You know, that kind of subsides, but it's still just, I was at Trader Joe's this morning. I'm like, just keep it together. You know, just get the stuff and get home. And one of the Trader Joe's employees started talking to me when I was checking out. And that's when I know things are going south is when I start feeling super panicky talking to people. Like, um, oh gosh, yeah. And I was I've like, there. she's trying to like, tell, you know how Trader Joe's people are. Oh, that's the best pizza. Have you tried this frozen pizza? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I am sitting there going, I, ha I have to get out of this room right now. Like I have to get out of the Trader mm -hmm. Joe's. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh well, 
totally. And I mean, I know that you're similar to me and that we care what people think of us. Yes. So even if I'm in the middle of an anxiety attack, <sighs> I will swallow it down. Oh, yeah. I will perform. I am a friendly, breezy person. And oh, then, yeah. you know, you get to the car and you're like about to vomit. Oh, yeah. I feel like I've probably giggled or laughed in the first four minutes of this episode more than I have any other episode because I'm just trying to make it light and breezy. I'm having a panic attack, guys, but it's light and breezy. Now, are you, like, do you take anything when you get this? No. No? No, I really don't. You don't take an Ativan or Xanax? Well, I have, you know, I have Xanax for when things Uh get really bad, but I'm, I'm, I, I always try to just fight it out. White knuckle it. I, I do. I white knuckle I'm it every way. time. I, mean, I don't know why I do this to myself. Now, if this is, if this were to continue in the evening at night, I will take a Xanax just so I yeah. can sleep. Yeah. But, um, during the day, I definitely, I just white knuckle it, which is silly, but it's interesting when I was talking to my, um, physician a couple of weeks ago about this kind of like GI stuff I've been having, the indigestion and the kind of pain in my sternum and you know, she's a woman my age. Um, she gets me and she just said, Sarah, you know, would it be so bad for you to try to go on a low dose antidepressant just to yeah. see, you know, but she knows how I am. I'm like, nope, I'm just, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I don't know. She, she kind of made an impression on me last time that I saw her and I'm kind of considering that. And that's what I wanted to ask you because Last week, we talked about how you finally started Cymbalta. Well, I did for anxiety because I also had a doctor suggest going on a low dose of antidepressants are also indicative for anti-anxiety. And I actually, I interestingly really don't suffer from depression. No, you? no, no. I had one bout of it four years ago. Yeah. But no, generally not. I've I've never had depression. I think I've had stages of bereavement in mm-hmm. my life, you know, yes. where there was a clear, uh, you know, some, a, a loss that I grieved, but I've never had depression. But anyway, some of the SSRIs and SNRIs that work on serotonin also improve anxiety. So I started on Cymbalta two weeks ago. And I actually, I hate that you're asking me this right now because <laughs> I don't, I don't have good things to report. Yeah. 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 It, it's been rough. Um, so what's happened? Well, first of all, it's giving me horrible insomnia. Ugh. Horrible, horrible insomnia. And that's already a thing I struggle with. Right. You know, that's related to my anxiety. And so, and you know what I did was that I, I purposefully did not Google side effects of Cymbalta before I took it. And let me Smart. explain why. Well, you know why. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because with the health anxiety I have, if I have Googled side effects, I will be body scanning for those side effects. Right. And and I will just be obsessive about, I think this is a side effect. So it's almost like I wanted to go in blind so I wasn't making crap up. Oh, yeah. For myself. Right. The problem is that I did not expect or know that insomnia was a side effect. Yeah. I knew about nausea because I had just, well, that's when the doctor even brought up. And then here's another side effect I didn't know about. Um, pins and needles feeling. Oh yeah. Mm-mm. Itchy skin. Yeah. Um, and that has been really bothersome. Like Ugh. I have been scratching my skin raw. Oh, Kristen. Now most of these side effects are supposed to dissipate. Right. And I'm two weeks in and you don't really get the therapeutic benefit of most of these medications until four to six weeks. So right. I'm in this horrible limbo of 
terrible side effects. Right. Um, and no therapeutic benefit. <laughs> oh my God. So are you, are you going to hang on? Are you going to see it through? Here's the problem. I'll be, I'll be totally honest. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm being very vulnerable on here. Like I don't have great insurance. And so, um, the psychiatrist is not even a psychiatrist. It's a nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. I have the worst health insurance with the worst mental health benefits. Mm -hmm. So I end up kind of having to go to these clinic type places that I think see a lot of low functioning people. Um, they're not very professional. You sit in the waiting room forever. You get about five minutes with the nurse practitioner. And my particular nurse practitioner is very hesitant to to prescribe me anything that could be potentially addictive because I think they see a lot of addicts. Yes. Yeah. So he doesn't want to give me any Ativan, which would help with the insomnia. He doesn't even want to give me Ambien. What? Which would help with the insomnia. So he first, he first gave me Trazodone. That's like a tranquilizer. I know. It's, it literally is a tranquilizer. He's like, try this. And I'm just like, why? So I try it. I'm loopy. I'm drugged out. I'm like, no. So then he comes back with some other really random um, tricyclic antidepressant where I'm like, can you just give me the sleeping pill? Right. He's like, well, you know, that can be habit-forming. And I'm like, I'm not a habit-forming kind of girl. Right. I'm really not. I'm super controlling and oh, weird. sure. And I don't like to feel even, I don't even get drunk. Like I'm not. Yeah. You don't want to feel, be out of control. Same with me. I don't. Ever. I don't want right. to feel altered. Right. If I didn't have to take this, I would happily not. I don't want to feel loopy. So I'm in this sort of frustrating situation where I have real mental health problems, but the abuse and addiction that other people have done with these kinds of drugs they affect those of us that really struggle. Yes. You know, which I'm going to make just a little PSA here. If you make jokes about Advan and Xanax, about taking it because you've had a bad day, like this kind of thing of equating Xanax or Advan to, wa- to wine, right. you know, and like yes. unwinding at the end of the day, like right. this needs to stop, it does. guys, because it's just it's being overused it's being overprescribed and now the FDA is really cracking down on it yes. and people who are really sick can't get their meds yes because we're all being looked at as drug seekers now yes absolutely and i think <sighs> another thing that's hard especially for people like us that let you know enneagram type 3s or people that are just concerned with how they appear to others you know, mm-hmm. I can see, I can go in and talk to someone and I, I know that I'm suffering from massive anxiety, but it's very difficult for me to be vulnerable in front of anyone. So I seem incredibly put together yep. while I'm describing to a caregiver right. or a physician that I'm having these issues and I feel like they aren't buying it. It's almost like they're totally. like, oh, no, you're fine. Look at you. You're fine. You're, you know, you're all put together and your cute little outfit and you're happy and chipper. Yep. And you're not crying. You're I'm, not shaking. I'm not shaking. I'm not crying right. because that's hard. I can't, I don't want to be that way. I wish I could. I wish I could sometimes. I wish I could just be like sobbing and be like, someone please fix this. Help me. Right. Um, and so that's a problem too. And that even I makes you look more yeah. like a drug seeker. I completely agree. And then my issue, my really, really tough issue is that, and I think you probably do this too, when I'm trying to describe my anxiety, I get very clinical about describing uh-huh. it. 
And so it sounds very removed and unemotional. And then I have the experience of I was a therapist for 20 years. Right. And I also, I worked in a mental health clinic and I, like, I'm published in psychopharmacology. I know every medication. Right. So when he suggests a medication, I'm not a typical client who's like, wow, what? I don't know. What is that? Like, I'm like, oh, you want to put me on a tricyclic because, you know, like those older, like I know too much. Right. Which makes me look suspect also. Yeah. Like, it's frustrating. Why does this girl know all of the medications? Like, I, t- I know I look like a drug seeker when I walk in. It's just the, the whole thing is super frustrating. It is. Even with I know. my neurologist, I remember him talking to me about migraine. You know, migraines can cause chest pain and heart palpitations. Yeah. You know, it's not just pain in your head that you can have abdominal migraines. And we were talking a lot about that, which is also something that kind of stews with me. Like maybe this is migraine activity that's going on right now. Um, but I remember him even saying to me, well, you definitely don't have anxiety. I mean, look at you, you know, you don't strike me at all as being the type to have anxiety. And yeah. I just, I just kind of smiled and inside thinking, oh my gosh, if you only knew, if you only knew, like if you only knew the intrusive, the amount of intrusive thoughts I have on a daily basis that have become on so normalized basis. to me, you yeah. know, it's kind of like, well, doesn't everyone think, um, the same thing about their health 79 times a day? Isn't that normal? Right. Right. You know, so that's what I was talking to my friend yesterday and she's like, well, next time someone says it to you, you should probably say, well, you should tell them about your intrusive thoughts and things. It's just, I mean, God. But I mean, not everyone's like this. I mean, I have a a friend who just this week was describing to me this issue she's having where she's having this unexplained swelling Mm -hmm. that's, and like, she's just like, yeah, it's it's super weird anyway. And I'm thinking like, (laughs) if that was happening to me. Right. I mean, I would be on the floor. Oh, I would be Googling. And she's like, I don't really, I, I don't really know what it's about. So hopefully it'll go away. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Oh my gosh. I would, you know, I would kill to be I'd that be person. I'd be in the ER. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you and I, what were we, what were we just talking about a couple of days ago? Like you and I are both seriously considering going to one of those advanced body scan places <laughs> where they like do an MRI and CT of like every single thing in your body. And it costs a ridiculous amount of money, but I'm like, I think I should go because someone is going to have to look at my organs because this abdominal stuff, I mean, it's just totally, it's exhausting. But I, <laughs> I feel like I also have that sort of false promise of like, I'll do the I'll do the full body scan and they'll tell me nothing's wrong and then I won't have anxiety anymore. <laughs> like, like, if I could just like as if. I know, I think the same thing. That'll be the last thing I do. You know, I'm just gonna right. go and then I'm just gonna then get we'll the fine. A-okay and then I'm fine. Yeah. Then uh-huh. I'm gonna be fine. Uh-huh. Oh gosh, sure. Kristen. Oh, okay, well so I do good. have two thumbs up that are directly related to my Cymbalta side effects. Okay, good. Hit us. So Hit us with them. are we ready for those? Yes, let's Number do it. Number one, ginger rescue, chewable ginger tablets for nausea. Oh, now are these Have different these? than my, these are different than my gingins? They are different and I actually prefer the gingins. Um, I really like the gingins. The gingins are soft, right? They're yeah, they're like, kind of, yeah, they're, they're soft. Like they stick to you. They'll pull your molars out. They will pull your molars out. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> these are a little bit better. Actually, I prefer the taste of the gingins, but these are um, a tablet that like you can chew in like two seconds, you know? Okay. Yeah. 
Um, but it has it, it's a five out of six on the ginger active scale. Ooh, that's I gingery. Really know what that means? Yeah, it's very gingery. It's like straight up ginger. And you can carry it like it. It comes in like almost like a pill, um, like the way that you would get um, Sudafed, you know, in the push out pouches. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you can keep it in your purse. So I have been downing that stuff all week. And it's helping with the nausea. Yeah, I don't really know, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. I don't know. Is it? I still, I don't know. Maybe. We, we don't know. It's fine. I don't know. It's fine. Whatevs. It's good. Um, and then the other thing I have to recommend is it's this stuff called Zincuta skin ointment. This stuff has been around for like 50 years. I've never heard of this. You know, I hadn't either, but it is very highly rated on Amazon for extreme itchiness, eczema, which okay. I have all of the skin things going on right now. This is so weird to me, the skin thing with you, the itching. So this Zincuta stuff, okay. So so I was looking it up because it smells lovely and I thought that it was like all natural because it is, it's based um, on beeswax and zinc, which is great. So instead of being based in petroleum, right? right. Which a lot of ointments are. Right. Um, the main ingredients are zinc and beeswax. And then it's made of essential oils. It's got like, um, what does it have in it? Slippery elm, wintergreen, lavender, bergamot. You know, so it's like, it's got all these really nice ingredients. Yeah. But the there is one ingredient that I was like, I don't know what that is. And I decided to Google it right before the show. Um, it's animal fat. <laughs> what? I've been putting animal fat on my body. What is it? What's the name? What is that called? Is there a name? Okay. It's A-X-U-N-G-I-A. So Azungia, I guess. Well, that's weird. Animal fat. But you know what? It really works. Like what kind of animal fat? Like from a cow? What are we talking Um, about here? Potentially geese. It doesn't say on the label. (laughs) It just says Azungia. And then I Googled what that is. Well, that's really interesting to me. I mean, I wonder if um, that's just used as a base or if that actually has anti-itch properties in it. It's probably it just the anti-itch. base. Really? No, I think the base is just I the, think the base is zinc and beeswax. That is but so I, weird. Apparently in pre-modern medicine, physicians would make these kind of balms from mm. this soft fat from geese. From um, geese. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's weird. It's an old timey remedy, but yeah, it is, it is usually pulled from around the kidneys of geese or pigs. What? <laughs> and so, so, um, and so this is a thumbs up for you. You're like, please, it is so, please really put fantastic. the liver fat from geese all over you. You will not itch anymore. Listen, I'm just saying that it has five stars on Amazon and it really helps. Okay, so. this is just, but I, I really like, I just feel the need to get to the bottom of this itching. I really, I mean, I guess it is a side effect of Cymbalta. Oh, it's a side effect. I went, I went down the barrels of the internet and it's for sure a side effect. I have to say though, on the, on the note of animal products and, and just kind of like using it without thinking of it, do you take collagen supplements at all? I don't believe in collagen. <laughs> really? No, I just, no. Okay. I, mean, well, I, well, I even spoke up about it in our, um, in the group. In the selfie oh, I community group. Um, well, when I had Dr. Sarah Villafranco on, th- I asked her specifically about collagen. Yes, like, does it right. really improve skin health? And she's, there's, there's nothing pointing. There are no studies that are big enough pointing that it, now maybe it helps other 
parts of the body, but in terms of making your skin look better, just she was explaining the process of like ingesting collagen orally. It There's no way for it to result in better skin. Well, that's very sad because I've been putting it in my smoothie for like a week <laughs> and also just sort of like stifling my gag reflex because it's the ingredient gross. says bovine it's gross. collagen, which means... It's from a cow. It's from a cow. I've had I've had several different brands send me that stuff for review. I have too. And um, I, I am not on the collagen train, I, nor will I ever be on the collagen train. I mean, there was one that, you know, was kind of like the powder that you put into the water. And it yeah, almost- Yeah, that's what I have. It, yeah, it like almost like gels up. Like when you swallow yes. it, it's like slimy, oily. Ugh. Yes. <clears throat> it's so gross. That's why I've been putting it in smoothies because I did put in the water- one time and I was like, this is so gross. Yeah. I just, I'm not buying it. I'm not, All right. I'm not buying it, but you know what? I don't know that I'm really buying it either. I had the same thing happen. Someone sent it to me for review. I didn't actually purchase it. And I'm like, well, this is here. I'll put this in a smoothie. Yeah. And it's one of Here's those thing things that, you know what, is there really any supplement or any sort of adjunct of anything that I've used that I've continued to use in my life. I feel like there are so many things that have come past. I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. This is amazing. I love it. And then three months later, I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. Oh yeah. I took that for a while. I'm really oh, so bad true. about it's that. It's like collagen is the new kale is the new, I mean, yes, it, there's always a thing that's there supposed to be always a thing. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I am anti-collagen, but everyone will yell at me because I, I mean, I got the feeling on the <laughs> community group, people were like, you just need to pipe down over there, Sarah, because you don't know what you're talking about. So I'm just going to sit over Web, here. This is what WebMD, a WebMD doctor has to say about collagen. Okay. I think the elephant in the room here is safety. We are talking about ground up fish, chicken, pig, and cow parts. Oh God. I mean, yeah, seriously. No. Ew. <laughs> So gnarly. Now there are there are there are plant-based collagens. Sure. I've, I've gotten some of that too, but I just don't think I've never really I I don't agree with the line of thinking that anything you can take that's going straight into your stomach that's being completely like desecrated by stomach acid and then you're right. it is going to like somehow make your skin look better. So what I hear you saying is I should rub it on my skin. Oh, I think so. I think you should. I think you should make a smoothie and then you should rub the smoothie all over your skin. And and wear and wear one of those towels, you know, the Velcro towel like I have yes, and spread it yes, all yes. over your um chest okay. and your neck and your face and I think you're going to be amazing. And you know what? You might be on to something. Maybe we should like try to see if we can score a deal with um Home Shopping Network. <laughs> and okay. we can like do this. I can't wait. Yeah, let's just I do it. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm super ready. Um, what are, I don't even, what are my thumbs ups? What are your two thumbs okay. up this week? Well, my first one is um, a specific vitamin C. You know, we're heading into cold and flu season and you need to be taking a lot of vitamin C. But as you know, most people know if you take too much, what happens? You end up having diarrhea or diarrhea. <laughs> number three, as we like to call it in our household. And oh, that's funny. Remember, it's number three. Number three or re-re. That's the other word. I don't know what's wrong with us, why we make up these words. But um, so. <laughs> you just want to make diarrhea adorable. We do. Our diarrhea is so precious over here. It's precious. Come on over. Experience it. Anyway, so this vitamin C is um, lipospheric 
Have you heard about this stuff? Speaking of bovine collagen and putting something in water, and it's like really weird. It's very similar, but basically the lipospheric vitamin C is much more bioavailable when you take it. So you're not basically just excreting most of it out through your urine or whatever. Um, And it's been proven in different studies and everything. I've been taking it for several years. So it comes in these packets, but it is really weird. Okay, it's a thousand milligrams of vitamin C. That's uh, a lot. Essential phospholipids, phospholipids, and you squeeze. It's like a gel, and you squeeze it into water, but it doesn't like dissolve or dissipate in the water. It just kind of floats around like a clear orange slug, and then you just have to drink it really fast. And it's like that's weird. It's it's like a, it's like drinking a slug, but it tastes that's a little really bit citrusy. Weird. But it, I swear by it. I will not take any other vitamin C. I've never, because a thousand milligrams is a lot to take. And I've no, never. No, that's going to give you a colon blow for oh, sure. Oh, total. No colon blow. Not, e- not even a stomach ache. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. I don't know. It just gets sucked right into, I don't know where. I don't know how this shit okay, works. I think I might actually try this. I'm looking at a, they have a photo of it on Amazon. Well, first of yeah. all, it has a million reviews. No, People it's, love it. It's good. The, but it's there good. is a photo of it sitting in the glass, oh, like, you, you like an it? orange blob. It is. Like, it, <laughs> I'm looking at the photo, too. That's exactly what it looks like. It is an orange blob, <laughs> so and it's so weird. And you don't my, – my, my tip to everyone, if you buy this lipospheric vitamin C, is just put a little bit of water. Don't, like, put half a glass of water, and then you're just drinking, 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 waiting to get the blob in your mouth. It's like a shot. Oh, right. Like, just take it like it, a just shot. Shoot it down. It's like a um... – Oyster. Oyster. Yeah. It's, it's, like it's very shot. similar to an oyster, but thankfully it does not smell or taste fishy. It is kind of like a citrusy kind of tart. Um, but it does say, you know, it says squeeze into one to three ounces of your favorite cool beverage and consume in one swallow. That, that is key. Like it has to be one <laughs> swallow, you guys. Do so not swallow weird. more than once and then you're going to gag. But you do, and you want to take it on an empty stomach too. But I'm telling I mean, you, people's reviews on this thing—it's legit. Said, I'm getting my life back. No, yeah, it, it's legit. I mean, I have it around. Once we get into these cooler months, I take it every day. Every your day. Your kids take it too. I haven't tried it with them yet because I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. I think yeah. Derby will. He's just the type that's like what. But I, I think Malou will right. flip out. So anyway, if you guys are looking for immune boosting, if vitamin C hurts your tummy, if you are sick, like with the flu and you need like mega vitamin C, I highly recommend it. We'll link to it at selfiepodcast.com. So that's my number one. And my number two is, I think I might've already, I think I've already done this before, but I'm starting to have memory problems with my two thumbs up. But my favorite house slippers, did I talk about my favorite house slippers, the LL Bean ones? You did, but it was a very long okay. time ago, and this came back up in our Facebook group. Yes. Someone was asking about house slippers. <laughs> yes, that's what made me think of it. Someone said yes. they even actually posted the link to these particular ones, and I thought yes. to myself, oh, my gosh, because I, I, I get new ones every two or three years just because, you know, they're fuzzy on the inside, and I don't wear yeah. socks with them. So I, I guess when we made the move earlier this summer, I just went ahead and took those to Goodwill or wherever they went, and I didn't have any. So I just bought my new pair. They are just, they're the best. They're, they're, they come up and they cover your ankles. So they're like, which I think is key. It is. When you're cold, the ankles can, if your ankles are outside of your sock or your slipper, that's just going to keep you cold. Totally. 
So you need full the, ankle coverage. Yeah, you don't have to wear socks. You just slip your feet in. I've probably gone through four pairs. I think I've been wearing them for over a decade. They're so comfy. LL Bean always has some sort of discount going on. I think right now, um, while we're recording this, it's like 25% off plus free shipping. That's why I bought them. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And they're fantastic. So anyone looking for just a house slipper to wear in the cooler months, that is what you should look at. They're so, so dang comfortable. So yeah. They are so comfortable and they're really ugly. They, I'm just going to put it out so there. It's so funny because I, I don't think that they're ugly. I just feel like um, they just look very Native American to me. They do. Anyway, so yes, that's, that's my spiel on the house slippers. I love them. So that's my two thumbs up. But I'm super excited because today's sponsor is one of my mm-hmm. favorite companies ever. I love when this happens, when I just I know, get right? to get, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are going to talk to you guys today about Warby Parker. I have been a fan of Warby Parker for years. In fact, I recently went, I went on my account a couple of days ago to see when was the first time I tried Warby Parker eyeglasses and I bought my first pair in 2010. So we're going on eight years here. I have many, many pairs of Warby Parker eyeglasses because, well, um, they start at $95 and that's including prescription lenses. Yeah. Prescription lenses. And they're anti-glare, anti-scratch coatings on the lenses. They're just so inexpensive, and they have the most stylish frames. Plus, for every pair you buy, a pair is distributed to someone who needs. So I've never had glasses, and I've always known you wore them, and they always look so cute that I thought, like, oh, Warby Parkers are, like, really expensive. Totally really affordable. So this came at such an interesting time for me because, and I should probably talk about this on another episode, but I just did get a prescription for glasses. I have um, two different issues. I have just, you know, I can't read anything, but I also have a slight astigmatism. So I, it's so fun. I ordered my first glasses right from Warby Parker. So they have a try on at home program where you pick five glasses from their website. They ship them out to you. You get to try them on for five days. Of course, what I did was take photos of myself wearing them and put them on Instagram. Totally. You know, yes. <laughs> to ask everyone else to decide. Yes. And then you just ship them right back in a prepaid shipping label. You don't have to like find a box or, you know, figure it out. Super easy. Yeah. So I got them. I got them home. Um, I tried them on. And I actually ended up buying two pairs because they were so inexpensive. And for those of you that have an iPhone X, you should check out Warby Parker's app where you can use their brand new feature, which is called Find Your Fit. And so it uses the iPhone X's true depth camera to measure your facial features. So they can use those measurements and they will recommend approximately 12 different Warby Parker frames that are likely to fit best on your face. It's really, really cool. And it's super seamless and takes like a few seconds to do. Yeah. They, I mean, they have really cornered the market on cute glasses, on amazing customer service, on being affordable. I am a total convert. So if you guys are in the market for new glasses, Go to warbyparker.com, that's W-A-R-B-Y parker.com slash selfie 
to get started with a free home try-on. Again, warbyparker.com slash selfie to find your perfect pair of glasses. All right, well, let's chat with Casey Brown. Okay, Casey, we are so happy to have you join us. Selfishly, I'm just happy to hear your voice because it's been a while since I've seen you. It has. I know, (laughs) way too long. Um, Well, I am excited for this interview because I feel like it is going to be enlightening for a lot of people. Um, and I hope that it, you know, lends for greater understanding and greater empathy um, for listeners out there who may, you know, not have experience or not may not have trans friends. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself first. Sure. Uh, I'm, my name is Casey, and I use they, them pronouns. Um, I'm divorced, and I'm a single parent of a nine-year-old, and I live in Boston, um, I'm formerly an evangelical Christian and got kicked out of the church when I came out as gay, uh, what, 20 years ago or so. Um, yeah, that, that was fun. <laughs> so, but the whole world has changed so much in the last 20 years since that happened. Um, and I've watched a lot of those same friends come around about queer issues and then just, you know, make my life more exciting. I came out as trans in my late thirties when the world wasn't really ready for trans people yet. So I feel like I'm reliving the whole thing over again. Yeah. You've had, you basically had two coming outs and I'm sure both were, you know, difficult and traumatic in different ways. Casey, would you mind going into the, the they, them for our listeners? Sure. Uh, so I am transgender, but I was assigned, like my parents assigned me female when I was born. Um, everyone is assigned a gender when they're born. And I think that's really important for everyone to think of that. It's not just trans people that have pronouns or a gender assignment. Um, everyone has that assignment. It's just that for trans people, it's it doesn't line up right. And, you know, think about all the things that our parents got wrong when we were born um, or at the beginning of our journey with our parents, depending on how our family was created, you know, a lot of that is wrong. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I like to remind people of that, that that's not just unique to the trans experience. Um, But I personally identify as neither male nor female. So they pronouns are neither uh, male nor female. And I also use neutral words. So like I identify as a parent, not a mom, that kind of thing. And how has that been, you know, even in just terms of your, of your own personal, like mental health, as you've worked with the people around you to change pronouns, like, has that been difficult? Has it been easy? Is it something that can be painful I, it's it's really strange because my I've had like three totally different experiences depending on the groups of people in my life. Um, mm. With my child, who's now nine, I started using they pronouns when she was six. She has never mispronounced me ever. She only uses they pronouns. She calls me Appa, which we decided together felt like a a neutral parent term instead of mommy or dad or whatever. 
Um, and then my partner is 12 years younger than me. So she's a millennial and she's like pretty standard millennial. She's 28. When we met, she was, uh, I guess 25 and her whole entire group of friends has no problem with they, them pronouns. Mm. They, you know, when they met me, they were surprised that I wasn't using they, them pronouns. And then there's my group of friends and my family who just cannot get it. There's a couple that are okay with it, but the rest of them mess up all the time still. And I were three years into this, you know, and, even people who see me every day still mess it up. And you do, it does seem almost generational. It really, it's like distinctly is. Okay. So the younger, obviously the more open they are. But I can see that though. I mean, I can see that because my kids understand, you know, they, them pronouns at their ages, you know, at nine, 11 and 13. I don't think I learned that concept until I was in my late thirties. Yeah. So I can see, right. um, me hopefully, too. hopefully, the younger generation is going to be a little more adept at this. I think that's absolutely true. But the, the big argument that I hear all the time is that it's too hard. And it's like, well, that doesn't work because my kid, when she was six years old, <laughs> had no problem with it at all. Right, right, right. You know? that's, yeah, I mean, so, so it can't be hard. That doesn't work. And I also try to think about the other things that change and evolve in our lives. Like mm-hmm. you might have had a friend, your neighbor named Tommy when you were a little kid. Now he goes by Tom. Yes. You call him right. Tom. Yes. You know, yeah. like you switch that. You change it. My kid has friends that have gone by nicknames in kindergarten and have changed their minds by fourth grade. And they all adapt. We all adapt to all kinds of stuff. We listen to different music. We wore different clothes 20 years ago. Like we've all evolved and changed and we've adjusted ourselves for our friendships and all of that. So it's just another one of those things. I think the biggest problem here is that we make this transgender concept, like some sort of science fiction novel concept, right? Mm -hmm. That we make it harder than it actually is because what's actually happening is stuff that we deal with in different terms all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just kind of othered, would you say, is the crux of the issue? It's not seen as, as, you know, parallel to so many other processes or identities that we're comfortable with. Right. And in the original language before the millennials showed up was that it was, you know, you're born in the wrong body, right? That is science Mm -hmm. fiction, you know? And then the millennials came along and they're like, oh, that, that's not okay. We can't say that kind of thing. And now the, the more approved language would be like gender assigned at birth, which Mm -hmm. is something that actually we all share. So I wanted to talk about, you know, self-care as a trans person. And I I think there's so many facets of that that we could explore. Um, But you have talked a little bit about just going out into the world. And I I mean, this one seems sort of like low-hanging fruit, but I would just think even the bathroom issue would probably be an aspect of self-care that becomes difficult. Yeah, the bathroom issue is a really interesting one because when it comes up, um, politically, it's always some picture of someone who looks totally 100% percent 
like a man and you know everyone on Facebook is like oh do you want this guy in the women's bathroom Mm -hmm. like obviously we need to support trans issues because obviously this guy is a man right and then everyone says yeah of course of course but then like it totally leaves out the fact that there's a lot of privilege for that person to even get to that point you know there's lots of people that don't have access to hormones that don't have access to the whole transition or people like me who don't actually transition because I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm neither gender. So then like for me, I've been on hormones for over a year. So I can, I still use the women's bathroom, but I don't identify as female and everyone looks at me like I don't belong, but I have this like, you know, patchy teenager beard. So I don't belong necessarily in the men's bathroom either. And I don't want to be in there because men are gross <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not a man. Let's be honest. I mean. <laughs> let's, let's just jump right to it. <laughs> and like, you know, if I go in a women's bathroom and I'm not supposed to be there, some woman's going to give me a dirty look. If I go in a men's bathroom, I could get beat up. Like yeah, that's the, that's really the reality of right. that. And that's super stressful. I heard one time that, you know, the, um, I think it was talking about race, actually, the context of what I heard, but it was more like the, the bad things don't always happen, but the anxiety and the stress that mm-hmm. it could happen at any point that you carry yeah. with you actually yep. makes it so like, yes, I don't get beat up every time I go to the bathroom, but mm-hmm. I could. And you still <laughs> and feel those feelings, that. those emotions. And I, Right. And I know that I could get beat up. So then I act as if I'm going to be, and it feels like that for me every single time. And that's the trauma of it. It's not the statistics of how many trans people actually get beat up in bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At any point, I have no idea who I'm going to be in the bathroom with and what's going to happen to me. What do you have to do internally, mentally, emotionally to work through what seems to be these daily occurrences? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has changed and, you know, so like I don't have to buy my underwear at a store anymore. I can do a subscription box to mm-hmm. boxers so that they show up at my house and no one has to see me checking out. Right. Um, or buying shaving cream and stuff like that. I can get a birch box. So there's like a lot of really cool self-care ways that I can take care of myself by just spending a little bit of money on all the different subscription boxes and I have like three of those because they're super helpful. Um, and then with bathrooms, I mean, I mostly just go to the same restaurants over and over again um, in the city that I'm in, or I assess the situation before I go. Mm-hmm. Or I like lots of trans people say this too, that we just don't go to the bathroom in public. Mm, yeah. You just like at conferences, I would go up to my room, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And just avoid, like, my self-care is avoidance in a lot of ways. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that sounds like self-preservation, too. Yeah. Right. So one of the things I wanted to talk with you about, too, is you you mentioned that you've been on hormones, and, and you've written some really funny things just about the the experience of, you know, shaving your face for the first time or learning to deal with all that kind of stuff. So what, you know... I mean, to, to talk in a, in a bit more frivolous way around self-care, 
you know, what has been some of your learnings? Um, the way that like the gender binary has really been opened wide up to me, you know, being like socialized as female and failing miserably and then sort of transitioning to be on testosterone and being sweaty and gross and having, you know, like three years ago, if I had four pieces of hair on my upper lip, I'd be in a panic, right? Like I got, I have to do something about this. I have to get rid of it. What do I do? Now I'm like literally in my car with a mirror because the light is better to see how many new hairs I've got on my chin because I'm so proud of it. <laughs> it's like, so wait, what is happening? <laughs> Um, and the way that like, so being on testosterone, I'm basically going through like teenage boy puberty at age 40. Um, that so sounds delightful. I'm, oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> so fun. Oh. <laughs> um, but one of the things is obviously that I'm getting pimples and you know, the way that I see you all talk about it is like, Ooh, what? what kind of oil do I put in which hazel on these special little pads and this special kind of water made out of flowers, you know, and then what actually makes mine go away is putting shaving cream on my face and shaving my face with a sharp razor right on over the nasty pimple. And then it's gone the next day. What? So. Interesting. I will do that. <laughs> right. Sign me up. So that's, that's really what you need is, uh, I think it's Neutrogena sensitive skin shaving cream. All right. I'm, I'm <laughs> writing this down furiously. <laughs> well, I actually, we, we do a, a two thumbs up in every episode where Sarah and I recommend two products or things, books, what have you that we love. You need to give us a trans two thumbs up. What are two of your favorite products that you really love? Um, Spreza box is my favorite. It's a, no one knows about it. And I tell everyone, people probably think I work for them. Um, it's, it's a company from New York and every month they send a tie, a tie clip, a pair of socks and, uh, like a wallet or a shaving cream or a lotion or something like that. And it's, you know, it's from, it's a, a box for men, I guess, but, I love it because I, I find it like very gender affirming, you know, and I can't really go to a store and pick out a tie and all of that without it being this big fiasco. Plus I don't really know where to go. Nobody tells you where to buy ties, right? You know, you guys all talk about all the products you use, but no one else, men don't do that. So uh, I don't. <laughs> I have no idea where to get anything and I don't really belong in those spaces anyway. So Spreza box is totally my favorite and it's a little bit more expensive than I should be spending on it. I don't even wear the ties all the time, but it's really nice when I have to get dressed up and put a suit on. I have all these ties to choose from. So that's, I like that a lot. Um, and I love birch box for men. It's great. Oh, they do a birch box for men. Yeah. I didn't even know that. And then I try out all the different products and see what I like. And just like Birchbox for women. And then you order the full size of it. So that's been great. And Kristen, I think I've even recommended soap for your teen boys. Indeed you have. (laughs) (laughs) You have. Yes. I can't remember what it was, but I remember I bought it. 
<laughs> awesome. I think I might need to get Spretzel Box for them, too. That actually sounds kind of fun. It's very fancy. So if they're into fancy stuff, that would be good. All right. I have to ask one other um, somewhat frivolous question, but I, I have to ask this of you because you are one of the most stylish people I know. You, and it's, it's all unique, all your own. How do you feel like your style has changed in the last five years as you, you know, came out as trans? Did that change your personal style? Did it empower your personal style? Um, I think it has like empowered me a little bit. I feel a little bit more confident in Mm -hmm. the, especially in dressing in nicer clothes. I never felt comfortable dressing up before, uh, even though I wanted to, it was kind of, you know, everyone would show up in an evening gown and I'd be wearing jeans and an untucked button down and Converse high tops. And I feel like I've been given a little bit more permission to embrace like masculine style a little bit more. Uh, I still am not going to wear a suit and a tie necessarily, but I'll, don't worry. I still wear my Converse high tops every single day, but now (laughs) I wear, you know, a lot of black, a lot of gray, and it, which is mm-hmm. funny because my kid says that I dress neutral because I am neutral. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's good. Um, what are a couple things that you wish people understood about being trans? You know, if you if you could bend their ear and, and really get people to understand something more. Um, I think two things. Number one, I talk about this a lot. It's just that self-harm rates and suicide rates for trans kids are higher than any other group of kids. And I think that people get stuck in this, like, oh, it's identity politics, and I don't know what I think about that. And actually, we don't really have the opportunity to to talk like that when we have school-aged children who have friends that are going to come out as trans. And Mm -hmm. if you want to be that safe home with the pool and the cool snacks, you also have yep. to be the the one parent that understands pronouns and changing your name and, you know, um, because the kids, those same kids, the rates go down almost to normal levels, which are too high as well. But when they have an affirming group of people around them, whether that be their family, their friends, um, teachers and that kind of thing. So I think that it's really important, especially as parents, that we have to just drop the narrative of it's not grammatically correct or it's too confusing or it's mm-hmm. too hard and mm-hmm. just really like take good care of kids because yeah. they really, they need us, especially when I'm reporting back right now that, you know, my generation is not getting this and the generation below us is getting it really well. Um, the other thing is that this isn't going anywhere, you know, um, mm-hmm. That if mm-hmm. right now you can like catch up on trans language or just understanding or acceptance and be a little bit ahead, but if you don't catch up now, you're going to be way behind. And yeah. people who go to a yeah. corporate office every day might have a boss who uses they, them pronouns. You'll get fired yeah. if you don't get their mm-hmm. pronouns right, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. and, and that's coming next, you know, especially as these millennials grow up, right? Um so I, I think that we're at a turning point right now where we have this opportunity 
to get ahead of it and do really well and in turn take really good care of kids and just the marginalized trans population in general, especially trans people of color are in trouble and we have an opportunity to take really good care of them. That's really good. Speaking of that, you know, for cisgendered people like Sarah and I who want to be an ally, what's the best way that we can do that? What are, what are the best steps we can take to be a good ally? Um, I think it's important to just like be willing to talk about trans issues if it comes up or mm -hmm. if you, if you hear about something, just like start the conversation, talk to your kids, talk to your friends, like even bring up, Hey, I was talking to my friend the other day and they are using different pronouns and, and share your experience of, wow, I really screwed that up. And now I'm going to get better at it. You know, like be willing to start those conversations or have books in your book clubs that have um, different characters with trans issues or gender issues in general. And the other thing is to use, I like to use they, them pronouns for everyone unless I know them personally. Okay. I, I think it's a good way to practice, you know, cause it's mm -hmm. just a little different and tricky, but also it gives everyone a lot of room to just be who exactly who they are without any kind of confines of gender norms or um, expectations. I remember being a little kid and saying, I'm so glad this is before, you know, transgender was even a word that I understood. Right. But I'm, I'm so glad my name's Casey. I get to be anything I want. I don't have to be a boy or a girl. And, you know, I still didn't come out until I was 37 years old, but I understood that because my name was neutral, I just had a lot of room. The yeah. world gave me more room than the world gave other people. And I recognized that from the beginning. And I think we have an opportunity to give everyone that kind of room too. People need to be willing to mess up. You know, I kind of think of it along the lines of if someone is in a different country, they don't know the language, so they don't say anything. They won't even try because for fear of doing it wrong, I think right. you have to just be willing to make a mistake and realize, okay, I'm learning from that. It's the only way it's going to happen. I kind of see how that might be an issue with older generations. So you just really need to be willing to mess up once in a while. Definitely. My mom, I came up to my mom as trans three years ago. She asked me a month ago what non-binary means because she has no idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm like, why didn't you ask me three years ago? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, and then I explained it to her and she said, I don't even know what that means at all. I don't even know what a binary system is. Right. Right. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. We need to like peel this way back. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we live in a system in which everything is either or, and that's the binary system. And so... I live, you know, outside, my gender identity is outside that either or where I am both and neither. Right. And she's like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, you were never a girl. You know what I mean? Right. And so she totally got it. And here I was thinking that she hated me or she thought, I mean, I never, I talk to my mom every day. She doesn't hate me. I, she, she thinks I'm really annoying, but she doesn't hate me. Um, <laughs> but... You know, I, I thought that she was just like very anti-trans or scared of the conversation. And it was really just she didn't understand. Right. And so I think we need to give people the opportunity to ask questions or even 
explain it before they have the chance to ask it and not get caught up in all the right words necessarily. You know, if, if you trip a little and say the wrong thing, right. it doesn't matter. The, the idea is there. And it, it's the same as talking about race as white people, you know, it is. like, mm-hmm. what are we never, Similar. are we never going to talk about it? We're never going to talk about racism because we're going to say something wrong or come from a place of privilege. Well, right. that didn't get us very far, you know, through the eighties being colorblind, right? Like that messed us up worse. So, that it's really similar to that. Yeah. And I think similarly to that race conversation too, I do think that, you know, there is some responsibility for people in the majority culture of whatever we're talking about to do some of their own education. So they're not putting that burden on, you know, so that I'm not coming to you with every single question I have about, you know, LGBTQ or trans issues because if right. all of your friends did that, that's all you would ever get to talk about, which might, you know, you right, right. You, I you totally agree with that. About but at parenting at Go the ahead. same time, right now, like I am probably one of the only non-binary people that a lot of my friends know, and there's not all that much information online that they they don't really even know where to start. And so, me personally, yeah. I'm I'm thrilled to get, you know, 12 Instagram messages a day saying some kid in my son's third grade class just came out as trans and I don't know what to do. Mm. Like, thank you for asking me because I really want to help you help that kid. And I, I definitely don't want other people to put that on every trans person, but personally, I'm thrilled when people come to me just because I, I would love, I'm an outgoing part. Obviously my whole life is on the internet anyway. <laughs> so I'm fine with being that starting point for sure. For listeners who, you know, don't have that trans friend, but they really, you know, they're, they're earnest and wanting to learn more. Are there good books that you recommend? Sure. I love George by Alex Gino. Yeah. Um, totally. So that's the story of a trans girl who's, I think she's in like third grade, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and that just book, a really my read yeah. when she was nine, so it's a- appropriate for younger kids too. Right, and I gave it to my girlfriend's mom for Christmas last year. So I mm. that book is I actually recommend it more to adults than oh. kids because yeah. I think it's a super fast read. It's adorable. It's heartwarming it's nice you know but it's also so simple that a nine-year-old can understand it I think it's a great starting point for adults who don't really know what all of this means um and then I love Red a crayon story by Michael Mm -hmm. Hall which is about a crayon who is has a red paper on it but it's a blue crayon and so the crayon is getting red wrong and, you know, they're like, come on, crayon, draw some strawberries and they're all blue. I say, Oh, try it harder next time. And then at the end, you know, the crayon meets another crayon that asks the crayon to draw an ocean. And he says, I can't cause I'm red. And she says, well, just try. And then he draws this beautiful blue ocean and it's so beautiful. 
oh my gosh, like maybe I'm blue, you know, and it's really a beautiful story. And I think mm-hmm. for adults too, but I, I love that one for kids. I think wow. that's a good one for my kids' school. She goes to a Boston public school, but they have um, that book in every classroom mm-hmm. from kindergarten up through fifth grade as mandatory in every class, just because it's a great story about so even good. anyone, you know, just, discovering their home, their identity. Any other recommendations? Uh, stop putting the words men and women on every single product mm. and then charging more and for the women. Charging version. more for the women, the pink tax. Yeah. All right. That'd be nice. Uh, let's get rid of those buttons in, in airports where they push whether you're a boy or a girl when you walk through airport security. Do you guys know about that? No. No. What? So next Next time you walk through the security, you turn around and you'll see there are two buttons, one of a person in a dress and one of a person in a suit, I guess. And they, when you approach, they push the button Uh and then it determines how you're scanned. So when they push the button for me, no matter what, it comes out wrong. So I get a full invasive pat down. Every single time. You are kidding me. Because, nope, like to the point where I've been like hysterical sobbing. And then they (sighs) say, do you want to go in a private room? But you can't because trans people don't have protected rights in various states. So I can't go in the private room because I don't know what will happen. So it all has to be done in public. But I wear boxers, men's boxers and a chest binder. So I set it off no matter what, every Mm. single time. Wow. We could get rid of those. That's a recommendation. Let's get rid of that. That is a recommendation. (laughs) Yeah. We affirmed that recommendation. (laughs) I I was talking to one of my friends at some big women's conference, and she said, let's get Fruit of the Loom to sponsor the conference and give every single woman here a pair of boxers to wear home when they get on the airplane. And then it will just totally destroy the whole system because everybody <laughs> will get pulled out. <laughs> and, and then they won't be able to do it anymore. So yeah. that was a good one. <laughs> I actually love that. I like the idea of the boxer revolution. <laughs> right, the boxer underwear revolution. For, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, Casey, thank you so much for talking with us and talking you know, with just so much candor and honesty. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I I listened to your podcast for the first time today, and I really liked it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Casey. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at, at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to Shepherd Audio for our intro music. Take care.